Hello and welcome to today's episode of Not So Daily Musings with Alicia. I've got some exciting updates for you guys in the next week or two, so stay tuned for that. I have a lot of, uh, yeah, really, really exciting stuff that's going on and I'm very eager to share it. But today I was just reading a book. It's a very interesting book, actually. It's called A Thousand Brains by Jeff Hawkins, and I'm loving it. It's a great book to round out the end of the year. It's very current, very readable. First half of the book's all about how the brain works, and the second half of the book is all about artificial intelligence and a whole bunch of other juicy, juicy topics. So that's where this came from. The idea that I want to share with you, just a, it's a very simple one. How do you know what the truth is? How do you know if your beliefs are false? Because in order to figure that out, we have to think about how humans have evolved and how we've developed intelligence. Back in the day when we didn't have tools and we didn't have methods of communication like language, we were basically um, apes, right? And then with the development of language, being able to communicate with each other with words and art, with the advent of tools, that gave us intelligence in the sense that it allowed us to perceive beyond what we could simply sense ourselves. So our primitive selves, really, like all we knew for certain was that which we could see with our own eyes. And this is a this is how people who have false beliefs, for example, someone who believes that the earth is flat, tends to think. Um, the idea is that, well, I can't perceive differently. I can't tell that the earth is round because when I, you know, when I walk around, when I look at a map, it all is operating on a kind of flat plane. My direct experience is that the earth is flat. So they rely heavily on direct experience and they distrust anything that isn't within their direct perception. Anything like they can't sense with their, with their senses, with their eyes, with their, uh, you know, their body. But when we learned how to communicate, when, especially as we learned how to propagate and share language more and more as we build better and better tools, our intelligence went through essentially an enlightenment. We were able to not just perceive what we could you know, feel with our own senses, but we could learn so much more about the world that other people had essentially discovered. So I've never been to Australia, but I'm fairly certain that Australia exists. It's on maps. It's, uh, you know, everyone talks, there's people who are from Australia. I've known people from Australia. Uh, there's fairly good evidence that Australia exists, but I've never been there. So, but the fact that I'm able to know where it is on a map and know that it's a real place, even that, even though I've never, you know, I've never, <laughs> I've never looked at a gene before. I've never looked at um, like a, I, I can't, I don't have x-ray vision. There's a lot of things that I don't personally perceive, but I know exists uh, because we've mapped out these things with tools and with language and communication. So the first thing to, to keep in mind is the idea that only trusting what you can experience with your own sense or your own senses is a really limited way to approach the world. Um, but then the question becomes, uh, if you trust or allow yourself to believe things that you can't directly sense, how do you know it's true? Because there is a danger here. The danger is that, you know, your mom says the earth is flat and you say, yeah, my mom knows everything. The, the earth is flat. That You trust an outside source that deceives you and then allows you to create an incorrect model. So you have large groups of people who insulate themselves with their own views and who collectively agree 
that the earth is flat and um, it's a very like kind of insularized thing that we can do. So learning about the world indirectly, not with our own experience from other people's accounts is not a hundred percent reliable. So it is possible that Australia doesn't exist because I've never been there. I, I can probably say with like 99.99999% certainty that Australia does exist based on, you know, growing up with the idea that Australia exists. I feel fairly confident in that. But the thing is, is that is the degree of confidence that people feel about false beliefs. Um, people who deny, you know, people who, who tend to believe in conspiracy theories and, you know, flat earth is a good example of that because most of us would probably agree that that's a, an incorrect view and it is an incorrect view. Um, and also an extreme view, but the, the idea that it's real is very, very, very strong. Like people who believe in flat earth tend not to be like, yeah, maybe it's flat. Maybe it's not. I don't really know. It's going to be like, no, it's definitely flat. And everyone who tells you otherwise is flat out lying. So going back to my Australia example, I feel very confident that it exists, but also understanding that I'm believing something that I haven't perceived myself and that it could be wrong, which is what we should do with our beliefs. Maybe not about Australia, but perhaps some more controversial ones. What I would then have to do is the only thing that we can do to decide if something is true or not. And this is a really, really easy thing to do. And it's also extremely difficult and you're not going to want to do it. But the thing that you have to do if you want to verify the truth or come a lot closer to it than you would get otherwise is to use the scientific method. And this is by looking at the counterpoint, looking at the opposite side. Try to prove yourself wrong. So if I believe that the earth is flat and I wanted to know for sure, I didn't want to just like buy into something for social reasons or whatever else. If I wanted to know, like, is it actually flat though? Like if I asked that question, that's the question that's going to get you to the truth and not just asking it in a superficial way, but actually like looking at the research, um, reading from a variety of sources that conflict with your worldview. So if I wanted to validate that Australia existed, then I might ask the question, um, evidence that Australia isn't real. And I might really try to find as much as I can to support the idea that Australia does not, or uh, I guess in this case, Australia does exist. If my, if my belief is that Australia does exist, then I'd want to look for evidence that it doesn't. And if my uh, belief is that the earth is flat, then I would want to start researching evidence that it's round. And the only way that you can arrive at some kind of truth is by attempting to disprove your belief. And then that's going to lead you essentially to intelligence. It's the, the best of all worlds where you're not limited to the things and experiences that you can directly sense yourself, which of course is the most trustworthy and the most reliable, though it's not 100% foolproof either. There are, we can have sensual perceptions that are wrong, that are just objectively false, um, but that's a whole other discussion. However, if you want to evolve beyond what you can sense with your body and your senses, and you want to, uh, you know, expand your intelligence in the realm of things. And, and we all do this anyway. So, I mean, it's not like I'm talking to any cavemen on this podcast episode. But if we want to really be discerning people and we really want to be truth seekers, and we really want to make sure that we're not just 
parroting some narrative or belief system that we might have adopted, then we have to ask and challenge our own views. This is really, really hard because the temptation is to insulate yourself with your own views. This is a really big problem with social media, of course, where um, your newsfeed is everything that you already agree with and you just get more content from the, you know, the YouTube al algorithm does this too. You just get a whole bunch of content supporting a viewpoint. So if, if I start looking up like um, pro-communism or something, then I'll, I'm going to just, I'm not going to get conflicting viewpoints on that. I'm not going to get like a, you know, pro-capitalist uh, video in that thread. So we have to, it's really, it validates us if someone else agrees with us. So if we believe the earth is flat, we're going to want to surround ourselves with people who think the earth is flat because it feels good to be in a group and it feels good to be agreed with. It makes us feel validated and it makes us feel smart. It makes us feel connected. Um, and to, to question that is to essentially like question your identity, especially if, if you are surrounded by people who don't believe that the earth is round, then you're, you're going to not you're going to have so many hesitations to seek contrary views. You're not going to want to start doing research about, you know, how do we know the earth is round? Because what if, what if that information persuades you and all of a sudden you do believe that the world is in fact round? What do you do about your social circle? All of a sudden you're an outcast. All of a sudden you have a fundamentally different viewpoint than your peers. And this can be really, really painful for people. So it's, it's not, quite as simple on an emotional level to discern the truth by questioning your beliefs because it can change your relationships. It can change the way you think about the world. But if we are dedicated to the truth, this is what we must do. Thank you for listening to today's episode and I'll catch up with you guys soon.